This is Jillian from San Francisco, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore because I have better things to do with my time. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome, one and all, to the show. I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting conspicuously April Fool's Day free is my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. I'm not sure what that means. Well, I didn't really mean your your April Fool's Day free, but this episode will certainly be April Fool's Day prank free. I am not a fan of April Fool's Day jokes or pranks. I, I don't know anyone whom I would call a friend <laughs> um, th- who likes uh, April Fool's Day or the bullshit that you have to contend with on April Fool's Day. I was even annoyed when I went to Amazon.com today through the link on the dollamore.com page. Nice. Oh, that was fucking sweet. And (laughs) it was like a throwback version of the page. From 1999. Right. And I I pulled you over and I'm like, is my my computer have a virus or what's going on here? You, You pulled me over, huh? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> or did you call me I also over? said, is my computer have a virus? I, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't ask me about that part. Of well, I'd I already said. locked on to the one mistake. I can only I can only compute so many mistakes at once, Brittany Page. Right. I've been listening to a lot of music before the podcast, so right. I'm like dancing in my head right now. The one rapper with the gravelly voice. What's his name? Mystical. And I wasn't listening to Mystical's music. I was listening to Mark Ronson featuring Mystical Feel Right is what the song is called. Anyway. And then you listen to a little Jackson 5 or the Jacksons. I'm not sure which era it was. Yes, it was the Jacksons. No, it was the Jackson 5. Okay. Well, you know, obviously you know the difference because you're a savant of that era of music. Right. So I moved from a current song to my... I'm sure this is all riveting to the audience. You're the one who started with April Fool's Day. I don't know how it got here. Right. Sorry. Well, this weekend uh, was a a weekend that we were waiting for with bated breath. We had a countdown going. Yeah, we did. Uh, Going Clear, the documentary on Scientology came out on HBO this weekend. And the lovely and talented Brittany Page and I were glued... We actually watched it prior to its release in in uh, West Coast time because I found out from uh, a friend of mine who lives East Coast time that it was available on HBO Go. Yes. So as soon as we found that out, we put it on the TV and watched it. Yes. All two hours of it. Yeah, it seemed a little long. It Was it, was it a full two hours? Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Very, very good. I learned not a ton because I already know a lot about the... Xenu, galactic warlord, volcanoes, brainwashing, thetans, all the weird shit. I knew about that already. And some of that I learned from South Park. It was a little strange to me because a lot of people on on, the, on Facebook were saying, oh, I had no idea that, it was, I mean, I knew they were a little wacky, but I didn't know they believed all that shit. 
And these are people who I know are like South Park fans, or at least in that demo. They must have thought that Matt and Trey from South Park were just joking around because they illustrated every single point of the Scientologist view and belief on that episode. Right. So you can learn things from South Park. You can. It's like the Mormon episode. Again, one of my favorites. And they do the same thing. And it turned into a very successful Broadway play. Um the Book of Mormon uh, play, which we've seen, which is very, very good. If you get a chance to see one, go, go see it. I mean, I don't know if you need to go, go see it. Just regular go. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the episode. The episode's just kind of the history of the church and talking about how good the people are and the family is, but what they believe is wacky. Okay, well, I don't anyway, watch South Park, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, so anyway, that being said, I just I was surprised by how many people didn't know about the the wackadoo shit that is involved in the Scientology belief system. Right. Well, it's funny. I've also been seeing people, you know, Christians or Catholics commenting on how crazy the Scientology thing <laughs> yeah, is. And yeah. it's really. Well, again, it's it's only cr- super crazy because it's new. Because right. you said this today. And maybe I should have left you to say it. But well, I saw a comment online that said it. Don't give me credit for it. If Christianity had started when the internet was around. Right. They would have said, what do you mean burning bush? What do you mean talking snakes? Right. What do you mean back from the dead? Yeah. What do you mean any of it? Right. Just like Scientology, where well, we hear these stories of the of the belief and we're like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we would think that about everything. It's just that we're so used to, used to and right. familiar with those ideas. Well, I, I look back on on my time as a Christian and as a as a younger younger guy, and remembering, you know, I grew up in Indian country. Mm-hmm. I grew up on an Indian reservation, mm-hmm. and hearing Native American tales. Of how the earth start. I don't know why I'm doing that voice. But you know all these tales of the different folklore surrounding the creation of the earth and everything else. Right. Whether it be the Hopi Indians or the Nez Perce. Where I, those are the Indians with which I'm most familiar. But there's all these creation myths. And I used to hear the different creation myths and think to myself. Well that's just dumb. What do you mean the, a star came down and there was these maidens on top of a rock. And, blah, 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 and all the. It just sounded so farcical to me and now looking back i think the christian creation myth is just as wacky that this god made man out of the dirt and then made him fall asleep in one version in one version he made the the uh, adam fall asleep and took a rib and created a woman Mm -hmm. there's another completely different version in the Bible, in in Genesis. Right. Just depends on which one you believe, I guess. So I guess what makes Scientology different, though, is that it is it goes a little bit further with everything because it keeps people locked in. If you try to leave, you get harassed by the church members. They follow you around. Or even physically abused. Right. You you have to disconnect from family and friends that are not in the faith, which is uh, very frightening and terrible. Cultish. I mean, that's really the... Right. It's cultish. Right. People get labeled suppressive persons. (laughs) Right. You really need to go out and watch Going Clear if you haven't seen it. It really is. It's worth the time. 
and it really does shine a light on a scary, scary organization. And Scientology is not just scary from this perspective of the things we're talking about now. They are scary for the fact that they promote an ideology of anti-psychology and anti-psychiatry mm-hmm. that runs as a thread through their belief system, so much so that they disallow their members or strongly influence their members to not take antidepressants and other very useful drugs. Right. And we actually visited a museum that they have in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. That's right. They've got a museum against psychiatry and psychology. Right. It's called Psychiatry, an Industry of Death. And it's, (laughs) it is, I'm so glad you brought it up. It's so, it is bizarre. I mean, it sounds bizarre. But when you go there, there's like an introductory um, video that you watch before you go through this very directed it's like one long hallway, and then it turns. It's, you're on this one path. There's no way to kind of wander around. They're steering you through their propaganda museum. And if you remember, the in, the the introductory video that you watch is inside of this very scary padded, like rubber room. What you would think about when you watch a horror movie and they stick someone inside in it with a straitjacket. It's a very very emotionally disturbing i mean really puts you in the mood to really buy into their propaganda right so the museum is run by citizens commission on human rights cchr so when you go in you don't initially say oh this is scientology it's not like boldly promoted as being run by scientology but it is well they keep it on the dl until the very end when you get spit out of the the little rat maze that you're in in the museum And then there's all the Scientology documentation and pamphlets and all the shit that they sell. So when we first arrived, they had a sign-in onto a (laughs) sign-in sheet. And I don't remember what information they wanted from us, but I know that I gave a fake name because I was just concerned with them having my name and information. Well, especially because you're a psychology student. Right. And so that's another thing. Once we got into the room, the padded room, and we started the initial video that would kind of give us an intro... Uh, they asked us all what we did for a living. And I lied and didn't say anything about psychology because I didn't want to be burned at the stake. Or <laughs> So in the museum, they have probably like, well, they have several displays. They have straight jackets on display. They have all the tools that used to be used. Electroshock to, stuff. Right. And they have like the, the tools for the lobotomy. And they have all the different terrible things that were used in the past, although electroshock therapy is still used today and is very useful for severely depressed patients. And it's not like how it is portrayed in movies. Right. Um, and they have, you know, all the different DSMs and they say how many disorders are in the DSM and how it's grown over time and all these negative effects from, you know, all the antidepressants. Yeah, well, and- there's, a, there's also a whole entire section on how the Nazis used psychology and how it was really came to, to, to maturity the science, the pseudoscience of psychology during the Nazi era. It's it's not even like subtle propaganda, the museum. It's terrible, not just misrepresentations, but complete fabrications and lies. Right, because every field has had um, an unfortunate period, right, where they didn't understand how things worked. Ab- and- even modern, regular medicine. 
Right. Where they're doing bloodletting and trepanation, where they drill a hole in the scalp to let pressure off. I mean, it's every science goes through a dark ages type of period. So I get what they're trying to say, even though they're wrong. And so we, we at one point started a video while we were in the museum at one of the displays. And we watched a couple minutes of it. It was propaganda. So we decided, you know, I think we've seen enough here. We can go ahead and leave. So we just left the video and started walking out towards the exit of the museum. Right. And all of a sudden we are met Acc- by... Accosted. <laughs> whatever the word is, <laughs> by an employee of the museum right. who comes up to us from the exit. They came in from the exit and met us where we were. It was clear they were coming to meet us. Right. And they said, uh, why don't you guys go back and finish that video that you started in that display? And we were kind of freaked out by that because well, that means they had to have been watching us go through the museum. It was like their grand finale video that dealt with, I think, school shootings or something like that. They were, it was dealing with like Columbine and how the Dylan Klebold or whatever those got kids' names were, they were on antidepressants and it's what caused them to murder and go on that killing spree. It was something like that. I have, I don't remember at but all. He but he certainly wanted us to go back and watch it. And it was apparent that they had been monitoring us through video, closed circuit TV, and saw that we left in the middle or toward the beginning. And wanted us to go back. It was very freaky. Yeah. So we said, oh, we're good. I think we'll peace out. And we yeah. just kept walking. But it was very creepy because you got the vibe that they wanted you to stay. They wanted you to learn. If you had watched the whole video, then you would know. And it was just weird. Well, this story we're telling is in no way to discourage you. From oh, no, visiting no, 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 no. The psychiatry and industry of death museum because... It was a fascinating time. It was very interesting. I gave it a good review on Yelp. Yeah, because although it is full of bullshit, it was very fun. Yeah. It was an entertaining day. Yeah, it's interesting. As long as you know that it's propaganda and, you know, that it's not accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, or that it's, it, it is, some of it is accurate information that's being distorted in a certain way to make you think a certain thing. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's fun. For sure. Related to all of this would be my new friend and host of my very favorite podcast, save the one you're listening to right now, is uh, Brian from Liar City. And, hey, how are you? Hey, Brian. And Brian lives in the the Mecca, if you will, the Vatican City for Scientology, Clearwater, Florida. How was that growing up amongst the... Uh, paranoid and conspiracy minded Scientologists. It was, it was alternately hilarious and really frightening. <laughs> uh, it, it depended on the day, really. Well, you, you mentioned briefly that the, the most recent episode of your show, you talk about a couple of different, very scary quote unquote operations that the church of Scientology ran and and what's great about the episode, I loved it, by the way, awesome job. Um, what's great about it is it doesn't deal with anything, almost anything that was dealt with in Going Clear. So if any members of the audience who are interested in the nutter butter whack job tendencies of this <laughs> made up intergalactic cult, this weirdo thing, um, for sure, check out your your show. But 
I don't want to get into that because I don't want everybody to, you know, spoiler alerts. Right. Um, I want to talk about what it was like growing up. You, you mentioned briefly that you, as you know, you're a shitty kid and you're, you know, it's easy to make fun and tease and be a bully or whatever. So you're throwing sodas at these people in Navy uniforms and stuff. Absolutely. But what was it like and kind of what is their general behavior? Because they kind of moved in there and took over your they hometown. Did. Yeah, they did. Um, from the late 70s uh, through till today, they um, they kind of commandeered downtown Clearwater, which should be like most kind of medium cities downtowns, which is sort of a thriving arts and, and bars and all that kind of stuff. It's not that it's, it's a, it's, it's basically a wasteland of nothing, but these people called Sea Org members who are in Scientology parlance, they're the clergy. Basically they're the very dedicated, right. Scientologists, the, the, the non-public members and the non-famous members who do all the church's bidding and they generally do it for free. And they also wear these strange pseudo Navy uniforms, <laughs> but they're not official at all, but they even have little, you know, the, the flags and the, all that stuff. And they're this weird combination of very aggressive, very fast moving. They're almost like the guards outside Buckingham palace where yeah. you can, you can sort of throw things at them and, <laughs> and they won't react. Their, their mission is to quote, clear the planet. And they're not concerned with, with us, the yeah. logs, if you will. They're not concerned with the normal people who don't believe and are suppressive people. So there, it really is kind of a military presence. Very much so. Surrounding the, the inner workings of the church. Yeah, the, they, mean, own, they own like 100 buildings downtown and, and in the surrounding areas. And everyone who is in Scientology has to come to Clearwater for their training, for their services. It's so it is like a like a, a hodge or a pilgrimage to their holy land. It is. They call it their spiritual headquarters. The uh, flag flag land base is what they call it. It's so weird that uh, like, for instance, Brittany and I went to see what I came to think of it as maybe the worst movie ever made. The Master starring Philip Seymour Hoffman. And wa um, Amy Joaquin Adams, Phoenix? yeah, and and which Phoenix is it? Oh, Joaquin. Ri yeah, River Phoenix is dead, so it's definitely Joaquin. So, uh, and terrible movie, ter fucking terrible movie. But a lot you could see a lot of the parallels because that was supposed to be like a tongue-in-cheek commentary on L. Ron Hubbard, sort of. Yeah, yeah. And did you see it? I did. Oh yeah, I actually I liked it. Oh, I like Paul Thomas Anderson a lot. I wish but we would have walked agreed, out. Agreed to disagree. <laughs> We wanted to walk out, and in fact, a lot of people did, and we were jealous of those people. Well, I saw it alone, which is one of the first and only times I've ever been to a movie alone, because my wife had no interest, and I was the only person in the theater. So it wouldn't have had any effect if I had walked out. I. This is what happened. It, now, listen, in retrospect, had I known all of the nutty Navy shit about L. Ron Hubbard, it may have been more entertaining to me. I may have been in your shoes. Right. But going in... Uh, it, it was almost like a a, a, a Terrence Malick film, you know, uh, uh, Tree of Life. Did you see that piece of shit? Yes, you're right. It or, is. Or did you like that too? I, I have. Oh, uh, we're totally I, opposite I, on I, movies. I, well, no, not. <laughs> I under I understand why you you don't like either of those movies. I'll yeah. say that I understand why you don't. So anyway, we're we're digressing here. So yeah. Uh, 
I may have liked the movie, but it was very interesting to me, all the weird Navy connections. And a lot of the same, I am drawn to a lot of the same conclusions relative to like Christianity or let's say Mormonism because it's new and wacky and very provably incorrect. Right. The same kind of thing happens with Scientology. Why are these people not look, and I'm not asking for an answer from you, not like you you're, have some psychology background, but <laughs> it, it freaks me out that these people have no, they don't look that, how coincidental that L. Ron Hubbard was a Navy guy, and then the church is all, it's the same thing with like Mormons. Uh, Joseph Smith was a, was a, a Mason, and all of the Mormon temple ceremony, the secret, you know, super secret handshake and bullshit, <laughs> is all based on the Masonic rituals. And it's the same thing with Scientology. It's just, it's uh, fucking weird to me. It is. It's very weird. The, um, generally speaking, the people that are deep in it, the Sea Org people, they don't get the level of training or auditing, uh, they call it. They don't, they don't rise to the higher levels where you find out all of the really wacky shit. The most dedicated people are the least informed. Huh. Yeah. Like, they don't know the Xenu and all that. They don't know the Galactic Empire and the volcanoes and all that terrible stuff. <laughs> the DC-8s. <laughs> right. So I'm wondering if it's so prevalent there where, with all the Scientologists, if there's less psychologists there. Oh, I, I'm sure not at all. <laughs> because of their hatred for, like we just talked about, uh, their, you know, their psychiatry industry of death museums and their their disdain for antidepressants and any kind of psychological treatment whatsoever that comes from uh, an act of revenge it has nothing to do with their actual thoughts about psychology and psychiatry it has to do with the fact that the ama and the american psychological association came out against them very early on right so it's a smear campaign on their part which is seems to be they're good at that they really all those videos that they put out against the people in going clear yeah. are all just like they don't rise to the level of even credible they're just junior high yeah really that guy's are. a dick it's yeah, they're terrible spanky is, spanky is a slut and all that yeah <laughs> well something something more has to be going on because there was controversy surrounding john travolta and john travolta's son where he was not taking his medication and had a seizure or right. something and there was controversy surrounding it because apparently the church didn't want him taking the medication I mean, that's they, what, that was rumored. They, no, it's true. They they think that L. Ron Hubbard's teachings give you total mastery over what they call MEST, MEST, which is matter, energy, space, and time. <laughs> and they think that by following the teachings of L. Ron Hubbard that you should not be susceptible to epilepsy or the common cold or, in the early days, homosexuality. Don't they still believe that now? About the homosexuality? Yeah. I don't think they do. I think um, the Hollywood connection, all that stuff, I think that they would be really cascaded for that. Right, right. I think that just like the Mormons uh, and, and black people, I think they've dialed that back a bit. Just for sellability? Yeah. yeah. The, the efficacy of your <laughs> of your That's... meteoric rise to the top is going to be slowed if, if you are against the homos in, in Hollywood. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Well, because I think John that, Travolta's son died. He right? did die. Yeah. He did. He did. Jet Travolta. He died. It's awesome. You are. Uh, you're definitely well acquainted with 
do you think that your level of knowledge about the Church of Scientology is because is primarily because you live there and it's like if you lived in Salt Lake, you'd know a lot about the Mormons or is it because of all the research you did for your show? Oh, it definitely predates the research. I think that it's it's like living next door to Jonestown. Like it's just endlessly fascinating. Yeah, and you can. I mean, I can drive a couple of miles in any direction and find a strange Scientologist stronghold with guards and cameras and razor wire. And it's just a place you can't be. You've also probably had the unique opportunity to just run into someone who is a Scientologist, which I've never experienced. I've, I've known a few. I went to high school with a few and um, do they, I have known a few socially. Do they proselytize? Not at all. Generally, they're good people. And you you generally don't talk about that is they have this policy of disconnection. If you're labeled a suppressive person by the upper echelon of Scientology, you can't have a relationship with them anymore. So right. you kind of skirt around it. It's the only way to do it. And then the Sea Org people, are they always in uniform or do they, uh, are they, you know, they have civilian time where you might bump into them at Starbucks? No, they, um, from what I've gathered, at least lately, they get every other Sunday, they get a few hours and they can go to Walgreens that's across the street from the Fort Harrison and shop and that sort of thing. But they no, they travel from their birthing in a sort of a suburb of Clearwater, a mm -hmm. place called Hacienda Gardens, which is a typical suburban apartment complex that's been taken over. And they travel via bus, via private Scientology bus called Flag Buses wow. to, their, to their work in the early morning hours and the buses take them home in the late, late night hours, about one o'clock in the morning. Every time I get stuck behind them. Wow. Yeah. They, they do nothing but Scientology from the moment they awake to the moment they go to bed. Well, that's how they get them, right? Yeah. And in those, in those apartments, single people are, I believe it's eight to an apartment to a two bedroom apartment. Does the church own the, the, the complex? Yes. Yeah. There's wow. even a whole building is given to their um, to their leader now, the L. Ron Hubbard's successor, David Miscavige. Right. He has he has an entire complex that's apparently nobody's ever seen inside, but he stays there when he's in Clearwater, and uh, he's he's got apparently an entire uh, four apartment complex to himself, where one apartment is his bedroom and two below it are his staff quarters, and the other one he's he has a better version of what they do. Right. It's it very weird to me, and it, this is was very enlightening or eye opening at least. Certainly not enlightening. <laughs> would be would be the fact that um, Scientology is old enough now that it is a multi generational thing. Where people, I had no idea that uh, Leah Remini was born into this wacky bullshit, and yeah, David a Miscavige. Them, a lot of the more famous ones have been. Yeah, yeah. That it's not like they converted into it or got sucked into it because they were seeking out. It's the it's now a situation where they're raised in it and it's 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 right because their parents brainwashed them into believing it. It's yep. bizarre to me. Danny Masterson from that 70s show is another one who yeah. was born into it. Yeah, so it was um, Giovanni Ribisi and his sister Marissa. Yeah. Uh, Beck. No, right. Beck, Beck is yeah. a second generation. God damn. Maybe even a third generation. I think his grandfather was involved in it, too. Ugh, terrible. Yeah. So uh, have you any any paranoia or concerns about retribution or retaliation from the church based on your your last episode? No, not anymore. Uh, maybe in the 90s. They were they were a lot better in the 70s, 80s and 90s at that sort of thing. <laughs> but now they're they're just like 
they're like Twitter trolls now. That's all they're that's really all they're capable of. Right. They they created that YouTube channel, the Freedom Media and Ethics or something, I think it's called. And they have like 16 YouTube videos dedicated to slandering the people involved in making Going Clear. And the videos are comical. I mean, they're hilarious because the things yes. they're saying, they're like, oh, this the guy that directed this movie, his dad is a terrible person. And it's like, what? His dad is a terrible <laughs> person? OK, cool. I guess we shouldn't like him because his dad sucks. That's great. In in the age of free information, they're Muppets are scarier than them now. And then I guess lastly, we'll wrap this up. And th this is only um, just out, out of uh, just your opinion. Do you think there will be any sort of um, effect that going clear has on the church going forward, like relative to their tax exemption or or do you think it'll just be a public? Huh? Those guys are weird. I I honestly don't think it'll kill them. Um, they're already kind of in their last gasp of being a religion, but they're not even so much a religion anymore as they are a giant real estate holding company with billions in assets. The people don't particularly matter anymore. Right. There's there's fewer than 50,000 now. Yeah, I've heard that in interviews that they not only don't they care if they uh, dwindle in numbers uh, of, of humans in the religion, but they are almost looking forward to it because then they can just own their properties and and be successful. And that would be, you know, Miscavige in his inner circle. Right. Huh. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. They're not interested in clearing the planet anymore. <laughs> Listen, I'm pretty happy with my my feet and thetans or my souls that are attached to me. They keep me body, company. Body thetans. Body thetans, yeah. I'm okay yeah. with them. They they keep me company and keep me warm at night. The BTs, like the DTs. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, stay safe out there in uh, in Clearwater. I'll and, do my best. And we appreciate you coming on. Thanks, buddy. All right. I tell you what, though, I cannot say enough good things about his show. Yes, it, Liar City. It really is. Go, if you have not listened to Liar City, it is available on iTunes and everywhere else where podcasts are sold. <laughs> you need to go check it out. They do... It's kind of what it sounds like. They just cover different lies and um, they've, they've done several episodes on like the satanic panic of the 80s and they've done them on um, charlatan preachers. They've done them on John DeLorean and, and a lot of the bullshit that went on in the 80s when with the people trying to discredit him. Uh, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal show that I cannot recommend highly enough. And if you're not watching it, you're wasting your fucking life because that is some good, good shit. So as a matter of follow-up, like we always do, um, a few months ago we had Alana Pierce, the Australian game reviewer on the show who had received all the rape threats online, who subsequently turned to Facebook and alerted their parents to get them to stop. Right, their mothers. Right. <laughs> and then also recently we, we talked about Kurt Schilling, outing his daughter's rape threat individuals. And then, of course, Ashley Judd during the uh, March Madness NCAA finals. She had some 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 fans uh, of Arkansas who were leveling rape threats. So with us with us on the phone is Dr. Greg Henriquez, who wrote an article on Psychology Today last year surrounding this very topic. And I just wanted to ask some questions. How are you doing, uh, Dr. Henriquez? I'm doing very well. Happy to be here. 
Great. So l let me ask you, um, this seems to be a new phenomenon. And I don't totally buy into uh, rape culture, as my, my audience knows. It, I don't believe it to be so prevalent um, as some would believe. However, there is clearly a problem relative to not just even young men who are leveling rape threats, but trolls, this internet culture, and, and, and rape has become very prevalent. What, what do you attribute it to? Well, I, I, you know, I think there are a number of things that uh, can uh, that are contributing to it. Uh, I mean, I think the uh, primarily one of the new technologies that afford people uh, an opportunity to sort of anonymously or quasi anonymously voice opinions um, without necessarily their reputation or identity being connected to it uh, gives people an enormous amount of newfound freedoms uh, to say what they want to say in particular contexts without necessarily the normal consequences that might might come with that. So I think one of the things that that the tweeting and the internet and gives rise to, you know, has given rise to what we call trolls, at least in the relationship to the internet. Uh, and trolls are, are allow folks to vent aggression to vent uh, to make certain kinds of power based claims, but not necessarily be tied to it at the level of reputation or consequence. And some people find that very appealing for a whole host of different reasons. Well, uh, so, mainly, yeah. well, let's put it, I have a, I have a YouTube channel that deals okay. specifically, I guess, with religion or my lack of religion and atheism. And uh -huh. there's all kinds of terrible shit that gets said, you know, people hoping I burn in hell and everything else. But sure. Absolutely. But I've never received a rape threat. No one's ever threatened to rape or murder me. And it seems to be very prevalent as an accusation or a threat against women from men. Of course. Yeah. So this is a basic part of human psychological architecture, I would argue, uh, or at least it's propensity for folks, for men to use their sexuality as a form of power and domination. Uh, in relationship to women. This is, if you have a basic understanding, at least where I come from, uh, in understanding human psychology, if you have a basic understanding of our uh, certain kind of evolved architectural tendencies, uh, you can understand why men are much more predisposed to use um, sex as a power threat in relationship to women, uh, much more than the reverse. So women are not going, women are not naturally inclined to threaten me or you with their sexuality as a basic uh, function of what I would call our behavioral investment architecture, which basically is just our underlying motivational structure. It just seems kind of strange to me because even though men are the ones that are primarily doing this, generally speaking, most men are outraged by the idea of rape or women being harmed. And so this whole rape threat online thing seems to be coming almost acceptable just because it's so widespread and it seems yeah. like people are outraged by rape when they hear about it in real life. But this online threatening thing seems to be separate from that. Yeah, no, it's a real it's a real issue because because there was such a with the opportunity of the technology, right, to express this kind of thing without necessarily the consequence that you know launched it and made it almost normative 
Uh, and it happened so fast uh, in terms of, you know, kind of where we were without a lot of dialogue about it. it to me, that's certainly why I wrote my blog, is that the, this is a serious problem. It's a serious problem for the Internet and social media in general, uh, that we need to develop, you know, a very clear level of awareness that people, a, a proportion of individuals higher than we would absolutely want to have, uh, find this to be, uh, somehow a legitimate uh, expression of their hostilities, and we need to be aware uh, that that's going on. That's why I appreciated Amanda Hess's article itself, and uh, Ashley Judd and Kurt Schilling. All of those folks are raising awareness of what I at least see, and again, expert caveats aside, what I at least see to be far too prevalent of an issue uh, than, is, than is justifiable or sustainable or anything and needs to be addressed. One of the points in your blog um, related to or kind of address psychopathy. And do you think it's that prevalent? Because we can't have that high a percentage of psychopaths running around on the internet threatening rape. I mean, it's not something that could be diagnosed by uh, onto every one of these individuals. Do you think that it of may course. be the... No, obviously everyone that doesn't, uh, certainly I would, obviously folks that uh, not everyone that would send a rape threat would be a psychopath uh, by any stretch. Uh, but uh, if you do look at some of the uh, literature on psychopathy, uh, like Ron Hare's work in particular, sure. um, you know, you're talking about individuals that his, uh, the estimates there are somewhere one to two, three percent of the population, many of whom are functional and, and are not out there uh, wrecking havoc because their own self-interest is such that it is uh, not advisable for them to do so. Uh, but that's still, uh, that is, there is a sizable number of individuals who really do sort of uh, live by their own self-interest uh, uh, and feel no guilt and get satisfaction out of, out of power and right. control. We've, we've talked about uh, the book uh, Snakes and Suits on the show before. And okay. certainly there there are even members of our society at the highest levels of corporate structure who are psychopaths, sociopathic right. type of individuals. So. so, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if then think about the number of tweets and the number of availability. I mean, if we are literally talking about one percent of the population and they uh, sort of, quote unquote, get off doing this sort of thing, that's going to translate into a huge number of different uh, incidents. Uh, and, and like, I'm not saying that, again, I'm, that's not accounting for all of it. But if that were the case, that one to 2% of the folks were engaged in this regularly, that would be a lot of stuff. <laughs> do you, <laughs> do, a you lot of stuff. do you think that there could be some credence to the thought? Like, for instance, let's, I know a lot of people who go and get tattoos and they, they mark their bodies and it's probably related to some trauma that they, they had during their childhood. And then yeah. it becomes a movement. It becomes, oh, it's popular to get tattoos. So people who weren't maybe uh -huh. uh, subjected to abuse as a, as a child, they go and do it because it's cool. Do you think something like that could be the psychopaths kind of get the, the snowball rolling down the hill and then regular people take part? Absolutely, of course. Uh, so, we, I mean, from the earliest days of social psychology, uh, we have shown... Uh, normative behavior uh, at a whole from a whole host of different uh, elements. Uh, people can once the once there is an accepted way of being, 
uh, or people, you know, break out in particular domains and then, okay, they do this. And then now all of a sudden that becomes the norm and people then justify what it is that they do based on the norm. So the evolution of norms is very clear. This can be on arbitrary elements. This can be on racist elements. This can be on a whole host of different kinds of uh, ways in which people come to believe. People are enormously conformist. Uh, and, they're, yeah. and they follow what other people do across a whole host of different domains. So if they see other people doing it, uh, they don't see consequences attached to it. Uh, they develop justifications for why that is, and they follow, uh, the, well, not certainly everybody, but there will be a huge conformist tendency or acceptable tendency to go along with what folks are doing. So the snowball rolling norm evolution issue, absolutely. The more it's done, the more people will tend to see it as acceptable, and less folks say it's not. Wow. You're a you're a smart guy. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think a solution here is kind of what Ashley Judd did, Kurt Schilling and Alana Pierce, where they do something to illustrate, hey, I'm a real human being and what you're saying is hurting me and kind of give these trolls an opportunity to understand that they are truly attacking a real person and it's like removing that anonymous aspect of it or yeah i think that's a huge part of the solution you know because i think people do many of them there are some of the psychopaths that get off on hurting people many of them once they start doing it they minimize it they think it's a game they don't really connect real feelings associated with to it so the folks that are capable of feeling guilt need to see a face with the injury and need to hear the narrative as to how damaging this particular kind of act was so I think at the level of getting in their heads that, wait a minute, this is actually, this is not just jerking around here. This actually is a harmful, threatening, traumatizing experience for somebody on the other end of the line. Uh, that, for those individuals that, you know, non-psychopaths that are, that are just doing it for a normative population, that can serve as a real wake-up call. Uh, so that when the next time they start to tweet, uh, they can actually feel that. Uh, I also do think that, you know, calling people out on it. I mean, I think that this whole idea of, you know, uh, it's, it's freeing at one level and undoubtedly people are going to play with it. But the idea that you can just say whatever you want to say with no, of course, in the old days, obviously pre-electronic technology, what you said came out of your mouth and the people around you heard it and saw you saying it, right? right. And then if you yeah. said ridiculous things, you would lose social influence and be punished accordingly. Yeah. Um, so our, our whole psychology is, is now afforded a radically new opportunity to disconnect what we actually say with, what, with our public identity. And, you know, people are going to play around with that. And we definitely, when that creates them problems, we definitely have to have social responses uh, to that in the form of identifying potential victims, in the form of raising awareness, in, in the form of making sure people understand it's no game and why it's no game. Right. It almost reminds me of Jimmy Kimmel's mean tweets segment where the uh-huh. celebrities read the mean tweets and it kind yeah. of puts a face and kind of calls those people out because they do give the the username of the Twitter right. user that sent the mean tweets. Right. That's exactly what, what, what they're trying to do there is that really an old psychology reality, which is you actually used to have to own what it is that you said, yeah. <laughs> you know, before there was, uh, you know, before there was this kind of capacity to disconnect your claims from what it is that, you know, your actual identity. So by that connection, then folks, believe me, obviously folks would be a lot more self-conscious if they knew that their picture was going to pop up nationwide uh, right next to this tweet. Uh, they would be a lot more cautious. About well, it, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be consequence less 
actions. It's exactly. And what you're exactly. saying kind of goes um, hand in hand with what like the FBI does during kidnapping that they, they get the parents out there. They want to humanize this, the, 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 the kidnap person. You know, this is my daughter, Marie. She's, she's a person. We love her. They say her name over and over to make that connection with the kidnapper that the person they've taken is a real human being. Right. Assuming they profile the individual who did the kidnapping in a particular kind of way, there's some right, people right. that totally get off that in a power-based way. Yeah. But you would want to have the right behavioral profile, the kind of person to make that decision. But that's exactly right. If you decide that you can, that the person who did the kidnapping has capacities for guilt and humanizing, then that's a very good, uh, you know, tactic uh, to get them thinking differently about what it is that they're doing. That is awesome. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us here on the show. And uh, you've offered unbelievably amazing viewpoints, and we appreciate you coming on. Well, uh, I appreciate the call, and I'm happy to help. Right on. Well, uh, have a good day, and maybe we'll have you on again next time something flares up that's in your actual <laughs> uh, scope of expertise. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Well, Brittany Page, that was awesome. It is always good <laughs> to have someone on who makes me seem and appear to be even dumber than I normally do. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Henriquez definitely did that. Yes. But, you know, it is good. It's, I, it's, it's nice having somebody on who is uh, cogent and educated and very uh, aware of the subject matter. It was... It's something that I don't know individually that we can do to counteract the craziness related to the rape threats and the trolls and these internet assholes. But uh, if I do it and you do it and our listeners do it and we call them to account and we we don't allow it anymore and we, we let them know that it's socially unacceptable, it will have an effect. Again, it's all part of moving the conversation forward, working together to stop, you know, these pricks. <laughs> right. And we will be putting his Psychology Today column up on the Facebook page as well as the Twitter page. So you can go read that and also check out the other things that he's written on psychologytoday.com. Yeah, I didn't mention he's a professor of psychology at James Madison University and a very well-respected school. So hopefully we talk about something that's in his specific wheelhouse sometime and have him back on because he was... a. Uh, he was a good guy. Smart guy. Good guest. Anything else I should say? <laughs> I think that sums it up. Right. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we haven't talked about Chris Christie in a while. And uh, I guess we apologize for that. Well, he hasn't really been in the news. <laughs> right. Well, he's in the news now because he is apparently pandering about abortion. Right. The New Jersey governor becomes the last of GOP presidential hopefuls to publicly back a measure and urge Congress to consider the pain-capable unborn child protection act. Hmm. That's a, that's a long name. For an act. And it's a thing. So Chris Christie announced his support for a federal 20-week abortion ban on Monday, becoming the last Republican presidential hopeful to publicly back this measure. Quote, I am proud to be a pro-life Republican. 
I believe that every life is an individual gift from God and that no life is disposable. I, other than the gift from God part, I don't know that I disagree with him. I just, I think putting a, a number is a little, a little dangerous, a little um, jump in the gun. So the Pain Capable Unborn Child Protection Act is... <laughs> they need a fucking acronym for that thing. Yes. This legislation would prohibit abortions at 20 weeks of pregnancy, the stage at which pro-life supporters have argued that fetuses can feel pain, although scientists and studies have disputed such claims, according to The Guardian. Christie's position was provided to the anti-abortion group Susan B. Anthony List, which has been highlighting where potential GOP 2016 candidates stand on the 20-week ban. It previously listed the New Jersey governor as the only contender who had yet to support this proposal. And I think you were talking about earlier that this isn't in step with how he has been previously. Well, it's just not how he governed while actively governor of, of the state of New Jersey. And so, you know, look, I don't know. I do have a problem with this bill, and I'm going to get myself in hot water here because I don't have a uterus, everybody. So apparently I'm not allowed to have an opinion about a matter as as, as important as abortion. And I don't have kids, so I can't talk about kids. Right. So, But I do have an issue um, with the way we legislate abortion. And it's going to be unpopular, and fuck, that's just the way it is. But look, at some point, that grouping of cells... That bloody clump of cells in your uterus, ladies, at some point it is a baby. If it's illegal to have an abortion at nine months, then where do we draw the line? Is it eight months? Is it six months? Is it five months? Um, at some point it's a baby and we should be protecting those fetuses who are no longer just babies. Or fetuses, they're, they're now, they're a baby in there. And I don't know, look, I don't know where that line is, but, you know, 20 weeks is five months. 20 weeks is right there. I mean, if you haven't figured out that you want to have an abortion by, by five months, then sorry, lady, you waited a little long and you're going to have to have it because you have a life in there. I also thought, don't most states have a... Like three three thir months. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was the first trimester, but apparently not. Look, I don't know enough about abortion law because it doesn't really affect me. I don't have to worry about, oh shit, am I going to... It just, it doesn't. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I think abortion should be illegal. I think there should be legal, easy, healthy access to abortion. Whether you're 10 weeks or 11 weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it is, we need to have a line where it's no longer legal because it's no longer just, like I said, a group of cells. It's a baby. At some point, it is a fucking baby. No one can deny that. No, it never becomes a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, if you can't murder, if you can't abort the child five minutes after birth, and you can't abort it five minutes before birth, we need to figure out, and maybe we're not technologically there, but we need to figure out when it slides from group of cells to baby. And we need to draw the line somewhere in there.
Evidently, Christie has a complex history on the subject of abortions, once identifying as pro-choice, only to flip on the issue in recent years. Viewed skeptically by the GOP's right wing, at conservative gatherings, Christie has made a point to tout the number of times he vetoed funding for Planned Parenthood. Ugh. It's just fucking pandering. It's a bummer. It's a bummer he just can't say what he believes. And it's a bummer for the American people, um, prospective voters, who have to wade through the bullshit to get to what the truth possibly is. And we'll, we'll maybe never know. Like, we don't know what Mitt Romney actually believes. He governed one way and then campaigned another. Fuck, who knows? So, look, let me know how you feel. I'm sure a lot of people disagree. I'm an atheist who's not ready to abort everything up to the ninth month. Uh, 657-464-7609. That's where you can leave me a tersely worded voicemail. You can also record yourself on your smartphone and email it to idoubtit at dollamore.com or just send a regular email there. That works too. Next up on the Dollamocracy docket. Oh, how you like that, huh, Brittany Page? That was really good. Yeah. Um, Jeb Bush apparently came out in support of Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Right. The, the act that will restore the religious freedoms of Indianans that had previously been stripped away. Yes. By the evil left wing. Yes. Speaking... <laughs> Speaking to Hugh Hewitt, the conservative talk show host, Jeb Bush defended the law as similar to legislation in Florida and as a safeguard for religious belief. Quote, I think Governor Pence has done the right thing. I think once the facts are established, people aren't going to see this as discriminatory at all. Mm, no, not at all. Well, Mike Pence, although he vowed to not adjust or alter the law whatsoever while he was on this week, on ABC, he has now flip-flopped and is, in fact, going through the motions to fix the law. Just in time for businesses to already start being dicks <laughs> and jumping on the bandwagon to come out publicly and say that they absolutely will discriminate against gays because it's their closely held religious belief. Only on ABC 57 News tonight, we went into small towns tonight for a reaction to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. We found one business just 20 miles away from a welcoming South Bend with a much different view. Good evening, everyone. I'm Brian Dorman. And I'm Colleen Borman. For the record, <laughs> for the record, that anchor man, his last name is Dorman, and the anchor woman's last name is Borman. It's the team of Dorman and Borman in the morning, everybody. I am jealous. Don't you wish we had those last names? Dorman and Borman? Yeah. No. Because I would be the boar man. I, would, I wouldn't be the doorman. I would be the boar man. Okay. All right. That's enough. Well, I'm not trying to make jokes. I just, it struck me. I had to pause it because what in the hell, what kind of hiring snafu did HR go through when they hired jerry dorman and maria borman or whatever the hell their names are that's that's wacky it is all right back to the pizza place the business is memories pizza it's been a walkerton mainstay for nearly a decade and tonight they are standing up for their religious beliefs this story is just one part of abc 57's team coverage on the religious freedom act and tonight 
Marissa Keniston also talked with a PR company about this nightmare for the state. But we start with Alyssa, live in front of that business. Alyssa, what do the owners have to say tonight? Well, Colleen, I learned from the workers here at this restaurant that they agree with Governor Pence and the signing of this bill. They say they have a right to believe in their religion and protect those ideals. If a gay couple was to come in, like say we wanted, they wanted us to provide them pizzas for a wedding, um, we would have to say no. Crystal O'Connor and her family are standing firm in their beliefs tonight. They've owned Memories Pizza and Ice Cream in Walkerton for almost 10 years. A small town business. It's a cute little town, Walker, Kentucky. With small town ideals. We're a Christian establishment. They pride themselves in owning a business that reflects their religious beliefs. We're not discriminating against anyone. It's just that's our belief. And everybody has the right to believe anything. So when Governor Pence signed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act into law, the family was not disappointed. We definitely agree with the bill. I asked her about the negative backlash it's been getting for being a discriminatory legislation. Her response. I do not think it is targeting gays. Person. I, I don't think it's a discrimination. <laughs> she believes it's a way to protect businesses like hers. Oh, it's supposed to help people that have a religious belief. She says because she is a Christian, she and her family don't support gay marriage, and that is their right. I, I agree with the bill. Kevin O'Connor is Crystal's father, and you could say he's set in his ways. He believes the negative backlash the bill and its supporters are getting isn't fair. That's a lifestyle that you choose. You know, I, I, I choose to be heterosexual. They choose to be homosexual. Yeah. Why should I be beat over the head? Because they choose that lifestyle. Because you're dumb. <laughs> and now the O'Connor family tells me that if a gay couple or a couple belonging to another religion stepped into their restaurant to eat, they would never deny them service. They only say they would just not cater their wedding. Reporting live in Walkerton tonight, Alyssa Marino, ABC 57 News. So first things first. Oh, there's so much. Um, I choose to be a heterosexual. Oh, he chooses it, baby. That is quite Woo! that is quite revealing <laughs> about him. I've never heard that from that side. No, uh, that's why it's so revealing. Apparently, he is he has other desires that he could be choosing to act on. Right. But he's not choosing that. That's right. It's a choice. Interesting. So also the whole choosing thing, it doesn't say that it doesn't say anything about actually whether or not it's innate because you could still be homosexual and then not choosing to act on it i, I have no idea and I mean, goddamn and and it's just weird that these people still take this argument and say well homosexual individuals should just not be having sex with who they desire that's right no that's even the mormon church believes that that um being gay, even if you're afflicted with homosexuality and you're born that way, it's not being gay that is the sin. It is the act of homosexual of of gay sex. 
Right. That is what the sin is. So you can't love That's who right. you want to love. You yeah. can't be with who you want to be with. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's absurd. So another thing that jumped out at me was the woman said it's supposed to help business owners. Right. What do you need help with? Well, she says, she says, I we have a right to believe in our religion. Look, of course you have a right to believe in your religion, but that stops when it's not just about believing in your religion and it's about discriminating against a swath of people strictly based on how they were born. That's where it stops. If your religion says that you can't intermingle with other races, and there are religions out there that are like that, they don't get to practice that kind of discriminatory behavior in the course of running their business their public for-profit business. And here's the difference. Here's here's where things kind of break down for the Indiana law. The Indi Indiana Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Mike Pence on the last show, we played all those clips. Mike Pence kept saying that the Bill Clinton 20 years ago signed this into law, this same law. That's not necessarily true though, because the Indiana law applies to for-profit businesses, where the federal law applies only to people. Hmm. So you're not allowed to have your business, because you're not running a church, you're running a business that is open to the public. Right. Well, it was a dumb argument to make anyway, because they kept saying, oh, well, Bill Clinton did this in the 90s. Right. Oh, great. I'm glad that we, we should just stick with whatever happened in the past. <laughs> right. There should be no evolution. Well, you know what? Hey, look, in the 50s, all kinds of good stuff was going on, according to Mike Pence. Right. Well, the other thing that's different is that, that the Indiana law applies to conflicts between people, where the federal law applies only to conflicts with the government. Mm. Also, the Indiana law, the governor rejects anti-discrimination law for gays, and the federal law, no risk of discrimination. One more thing. The Indiana law requires only likely burden to religion. And federal law requires proof of actual burden. Right. I think that's a key point, because when she says this is to help business owners, that's kind of where I'm I'm stuck in my understanding here. What do you need help with? Where in your religious instruction does it say that you can't bake a pizza for a gay couple that wants to serve pizza at a wedding? Right. How is that going to harm you? How is that going to, is that going to send you to hell because you supported a gay wedding? They're acting as though by baking their shitty little pizza that they're actually officiating the wedding. That they're actually joining the two dudes or the two gals in holy matrimony. All you're doing is providing the pizza lady. Yeah, you're not getting down with them in the bed. Like, you're just giving them a pizza. Yeah, well, uh, the other thing is, where does this lady live? And she must not know any gays, because there's not a gay on the planet who wants to have a wedding. It's not chicken or fish is your choice. It's, do you want pepperoni or sausage? <laughs> I mean, goddamn. What kind of a gay wants their wedding to be catered by jackass pizzeria? They're far more classy than that. <laughs> Now, there's something that Ali Rizvi posted on Facebook today that I think goes right in line with this. He said, the right to believe what one wants to believe is sacred. The beliefs themselves aren't. Right. And that is the main point. You, Everyone keeps falling back on, this is my opinion. I have the right to believe what I believe. Yeah, no one's arguing that. That's never been part of the argument. Well, it's just a red herring. It's, it's a distraction from the actual argument. Right, which is... 
You can't discriminate against groups of people. You can't treat others badly because of what you believe. It's th- that leads me to the other thing I wrote down that she said. She goes, it's not discriminating. It's just our belief. Well, sorry to inform you, lady. That's exactly what it is. You're discriminating. You're deciding that you will not do business with a customer because of the way they were born. It's as simple as that is discrimination. You'll you'll do business with me because I'm not gay, but you won't do business with the gay couple because they're gay. So it, it is discrimination. It's not just your belief. It's just that your beliefs are wrapped up in this tidy little bow of discriminatory behavior. Right. Ugh. It's really disturbing. We're moving out of it. I mean, look, the, the, the response to this on Yelp is something to behold because they, the Yelp people or the Yelp users lost their fucking minds collectively, went in there, and there have been many, many, many negative one-star reviews for this restaurant in the onslaught and in the aftermath of this of this news coming out that they were the first business to say, yeah, we're not going to do business with the queers, you know, which is against Yelp policy and blah, blah, blah. Right. But uh, funny nonetheless that there has been some backlash, public backlash. All right, moving on. I don't know if you've heard this. This only was released two days ago, but uh, in New York City on the 30th, or at least the video was uploaded on the 30th, a New York City cop, a plain closed cop in an unmarked car was trying to park his car and an Uber car behind him um, honked to get him to move because he did not have his turn signal on while getting ready to park his car. And this was the aftermath which was recorded by one of the passengers, one of the fares in the Uber car. Sir, Do you understand I, me? Sir, I am not saying... Do you understand a, me? Yes, I understand. Okay, so stop it with your mouth. Okay. Stop it with your... For what, sir? For okay. what, sir? Okay. Stop it with that bullshit okay. and realize the three vehicle and traffic law violations you committed. Okay. Okay? Do you understand me? Yes, I understand. I don't know what fucking planet you think I'm you're not, on right now. I'm, I'm not planning, sir. I'm here. Planning? It's a planet. I say I'm not planet. Any, yeah, I'm not That's any planet. And so he had the guy, he had opened the guy's door, and now he's, now he's slamming his door shut. This sucks. Sorry about that. Picked the wrong guy. I'll get obviously. Pull over five fucking feet. Do you understand me? Pull over. <laughs> Well, apparently, I have this on video in case you want to. You have? Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. In case you need to submit it to someone. Apparently, this cop is on a, yeah, an elite anti-terrorism okay. FBI oh, so joint task force. Mm-hmm. No, that's crazy. That's, that's really inappropriate. abuse of power, obviously. And they talk for a while about all the... He was there. No, it's, uh, it's no, not your fault. Listen, it's not your fault. It's... Uh, this guy's just a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah, he's out of his mind, this cop. And he's at the, at the car doing something. He comes back. I mean, back. he shouldn't be slamming your car. Or no, just, he shouldn't be slamming your car door. He shouldn't be he right throwing things yeah. around. Yeah, he doesn't have a right to open your door. Like, he's... he's. I don't think he could have really arrested you. I don't <laughs> you weren't under arrest. I think he's just on, on a power trip right now. Yeah. And he comes back to give a little choice advice he, he didn't have to a the driver. No. 
I mean, if you're going to park, you're supposed to put your blinker on. That's the way this works. Was, That's what I'm saying. No, no, I know. Blinker, but, you know. I know. I would just not say anything. Don't say anything. Just, just you're going to be... Yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. That's it. Now, let me tell you something. The next time you do it again... Okay. You're getting your, okay, what? You're going to let me fucking finish? Stop, I'm, Stop interrupting me. Okay. Apologize. I'm sorry. Well, who do you think you're talking to here? A dick. <laughs> Sad, I'm not saying nothing. No, every time I open my mouth, you have something to say. When you're driving up my ass, when I'm trying to park the car, and then you have to do something with your hands. Sir, I just say... I don't care what you have to say. Do you understand that? People are allowed to park in this car, park their cars, on the side of the street without your interference. And then your opinion about what's going on. Okay? Especially when the person you're doing it to are the police. I don't know where you where you're coming from, or where you think you're appropriate in doing that. That doesn't. It's not the way it works. How long have you been in this country? Almost two years. Almost how long? Two years. Two years. I got news for you, and use this lesson. Remember this in the future. Don't ever do that again. The only reason you're not in handcuffs, going to jail, and getting summonses in the precinct is because I have things to do. That's the only reason that's not happening. Because this isn't important enough for me. You're not important enough. Don't ever do that again. Do you? Are you a fair? Yes. You're a fair? Yes. And this guy is taking time out of your day for his vehicle and traffic violations. Sure. Thank you. So it goes on for another few seconds, but... New York City has a problem on its hands if this is the manner with which their police conduct themselves that's the third time i heard that and i still react very strongly because it's so disturbing and i would have a very difficult time if i had been in that car especially when he addressed the passengers that were in the car right and he said oh this guy's holding you up it's like no you are because you're acting crazy that's exactly and you're treating this person like they aren't even human and who who do you think you are he's acting like he's some hotshot awesome guy what who do you think you're talking to A, a nobody a dick a guy who just got let go from his position and reassigned hopefully to fucking traffic duty because this is not the way that a highly trained supposed to be highly respected officer of the New York Police Department is supposed to act. And listen, I know people have bad days and things might have been going on, but you cannot treat people like this. I don't care who you are or what your job is. You not, can't, not free of consequence anyway. No, you cannot talk to people this way and treat people this way. He did nothing. Well, here's the thing. To be a cop, you need a certain type of demeanor. You need a certain level of training. If you are a doctor... Or if you want to be a doctor and you are afraid of the sight of blood, that's probably not the occupation for you. If you get rattled and go off on a fucking maniacal yelling spree when someone honks their horn and you live in New York, if you've ever been to New York, <laughs> it is a cacophony of fucking horn honking. Um, you need to not be a cop. Maybe garbage man. Or some other civic duty would be better for you where you don't have to be in a, in a position of authority over other people. Anyway, I, it just needed to be played. We needed to get that out there. He did get reassigned. The commissioner of the New York Police Department had some choice things to say. Um, 
and thank God for technology. You know what I mean? Right. I'm thankful that these people videotaped this so that this person, Patrick Cherry. Yeah, that's could, his name, the cop. Could lose his job. You Reassigned. Cannot, you he's cannot... still a cop, but he's not what he was. Sorry. Right. Well, whatever it is. He... <laughs> right. You you can't treat people like this, and hopefully, hopefully, this will be a wake up call to him. Yeah. Rather than just solidify his anger and make him continue to act like this, hopefully, it's a wake up call, and he realizes I need to change. I need to do something to get my emotions under control. Whatever the case might be, hopefully, right. he does. It's not a career ender, but it certainly should be a speed bump to give him pause. I agree. Taking care of biz. Alabama. Alabama, you say? Alabama is the state from which the story comes. It's a good one, too. Yes. So, a mom, Keisha Smith-Wood of Birmingham, Alabama, dropped off her son, daughter, and stepdaughter at the movies to see Cinderella. This movie, this, this movie, this story is right up our alley because this kind of shit happens to us going to the movies all the time. Right. The son is a teenager, this article says, and the two girls are 13. So that means they're also teenagers. Right. ABC News. Um, so what happened was the two girls apparently were very rude to a, well, just rude in the movie theater, period. Right. Kicking the seats in front of them where this, this lady and her daughter were sitting. Right. So they were directly interfering with the movie enjoyment of a mom and another daughter. So this continued throughout the movie. And after the movie, the mom who was being bothered, I guess, by the children's behavior, came up to the girls and said, listen, my husband just lost his job. This might be the last movie I'm able to take my daughter to. You were really interfering with our ability to enjoy this movie. Yeah, I don't appreciate it. Blah, blah, blah. And the girls were shitty to her. Yeah. Disrespectful and shitty. Yeah. So when they got home, the 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 young man and the two daughters and the, his two sisters, when they got home, the, the brother told the mom, hey, they were being little bitches and no good. She explained, he explained to the mother what exactly happened. So the mother, obviously having no, no way to reach out to the lady because they didn't know who she was. She took to Facebook. Again, a wonderment of technology. She took to Facebook and she wrote this message. This is a long shot, but I'm looking for a woman that was at Tan Hill premiere tonight seeing Cinderella at 7 p.m. I dropped my teenage daughter, stepdaughter, and son off at the movie. My son later told me, much to my humiliation and embarrassment, that my girls were rude and obnoxious during the movie. The woman I'm looking for addressed them and asked them to be quiet, and they were disrespectful. After the movie, she approached my girls and told them that her husband had been laid off, and this was the last movie she would be able to take her daughter to for a while, and my girls ruined that for her. If you are this woman, please message me. I can assure you that these girls are being strongly dealt with and appropriately punished. This rude, disrespectful, and awful behavior is unacceptable, and they owe you an apology. My husband and I are having them write your apology letter tonight and would like to pay for your next movie and snacks out of their allowance. Please message me if this is you. I apologize profusely for their disrespect. So this message ended up in the right hands. They were connected, and there's all kinds of... They've done interviews all over the place, Fox News and local news and... um, they are taking care of this. So it is a taking care of biz, I think, on both sides. 
from the the lady whose whose daughter with whose movie was ruined by confronting these girls and and obviously moreover taking care of biz by the mother of the of the two shitty little girls for getting out there trying to find out and doing some actual parenting in this matter right she said my girls are so mortified they are humiliated and that's okay because i told them you know what you're not going to do this again <laughs> it's so good and i don't think they will no that's awesome all right. Well, we ran a little long this episode. That's okay. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, 657-464-7609. That is our number. You can also email us at idoubtit at dollamore.com. Listen, we are still collecting the promos at the very beginning of the show. Just tell us who you are, where you're from, and how much you don't like the show. And we will we'll get you in there. Listen, we love you. We appreciate every single minute that you spend listening to us drone on and try to fill your day with a little fun and a little information. Let's keep moving the conversation forward together. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Good evening, everyone. I'm Brian Dorman. And I'm Colleen Borman. 